Okay, today, today is a doozy, y'all. Today we're going to talk about identifying your trauma triggers. Now, before you shut me off and shut me up, hear me out, because the significance of knowing this and learning how to do it for yourself is going to change something that a lot of trauma survivors struggle with, which is we tend to walk around this earth as if we're walking through a minefield. We tend to enter into relationships or any type of interaction, not just new relationships, but any relationship after trauma. And you just, you're more sensitive and you're tuned in to a lot more stuff than you ever were before, right? You become hypervigilant of, of your surroundings, of people's words, of body language, smells, sounds, everything. And it can be incredibly overwhelming for a trauma survivor or anyone in that trauma survivor's life, especially if you are someone like myself who likes to communicate. Because if you like to communicate, then most people in your life that are close to you probably are aware that you're hypersensitive to certain things. And it's one thing when you're dealing with your own shit. It's a whole different ball game when you share, not to hand your shit to someone else, but just to inform someone, hey, like, I'm going to get overstimulated here, or I might need to excuse myself, whatever. And they don't exactly know what to do with that or how to support. So let's talk about that. If you don't mind, I don't think you do. You're not answering back. So cool. Let's get into it. By the way, sidebar real quick, I, when I record, I, I'm preparing to start like filming these recording sessions and, and mind you, I'm also preparing to be interviewing people. Okay. So I'm going to be bringing you visuals and interviews and it's going to be exciting stuff. It's a lot of work though. I'm not going to lie. Credit to anyone who's already doing that because she's behind, but also, um, I, I, I sit here early early, early in the morning, as you know, because I try to beat the construction outside, which really, I mean, honestly, I miss every, <laughs> every, every day. Uh, but if you saw my outfit right now, um, I am in sweatpants and a sweatshirt and I have a heating pad. Whenever I'm sitting at my desk in the winter, I have a heating pad because I have like poor circulation when I sit for a long period of time, like my extremities, my phalanges get cold. And so it's often why I won't even bring snacks to my desk because it forces me to get up and walk across my house and go to the kitchen and I have to get up frequently. That aside, I've got a heating pad on me. It's just like, because you, part of me is like, am I going to get dressed? full hair and makeup for these interviews or am I gonna am I gonna chill in my sweatpants when I interview people and quite frankly I feel like my likability is in my authenticity I don't even know if that makes sense but you're gonna pretend it does 
And I think maybe I'll do both because I feel like that's realistic. Is it realistic to see somebody all dressed up all the time? No, there are parts in their day where they are not, right? So there's just something comforting and likable about knowing that. And I thought I'd inform you that, yeah, I've got a heating pad on my waist and a bottle of ibuprofen. Can you hear that? Next to me. (laughs) Cramps. Anyway, let's jump right in to identifying trauma triggers and what that is all about. First, let me give you the breakdown of how we get triggered, okay? Um, Like where those triggers come from. You might or might not have heard me talk about this, but our triggers come through our five senses, okay? So they can be smells, they can be sounds, they can be body language, tones of voice, they could be environments. You've often also heard me say um, that we as trauma survivors get triggered in confusingly similar situations. Now, obviously this is Amy language, not like textbook language. You could do a little googly search and it would give you the proper terminology and physiology and yeah I give you breakdowns of that at times but I find it to be more digestible if I just give it to you in layman's terms because I was not a smart like student in school this is important and the way I learned best quite frankly is when my mother explained the concepts in whatever class, whether it was math, history, whatever. She had this way, and and honestly, like it was the only way I learned. She spoke my language, and the way she did that was she used real-life metaphors, often (laughs) medical, because she worked in the hospital, so she was often using like a metaphor about a surgery (laughs) or a body part (laughs) to teach me history but it worked and and I retained that I never retained the things that I read in a textbook or like just like facts and so that's partly why in the work that I do a lot of my explaining comes through my own personal experiences because that is how I best learn not ideal. Nobody, like, I didn't go and choose to, like, throw myself through abusive relationships to be able to run a business one day. Could you imagine if that was the business plan? Hold on, I'm going to do an experiment. Let me pick out, like, eight toxic men. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's so effed up. Okay. I don't know. My brain sometimes, like, I, I, what was I, was I talking to you guys or was I talking to Phil? I I don't know who I was talking to recently and I was like, sometimes, sometimes I walk around as if there's like a a laugh track, like as if I'm in a sitcom. I think I might have been talking to you guys. I don't recall. Quite frankly, I listened to these episodes once after I record them just to make sure it all flows and I didn't trail off talking about nonsense and and then that's it. I don't go back and listen to them again. So think about your trauma triggers this way, right? Have you ever had an experience where something reminded you of a pleasant memory from your childhood, right? Like nostalgia, right? I remember Phil and I took a trip 
I think it was like upstate New York or something like that. We were in like a small little town off the beaten path and there was like a mall. I remember Phil and I grew up in the same town. We didn't know each other directly, but we obviously have shared memories in terms of remember James Way, remember this, remember that, and like all the things that were in our town that, you know, everybody kind of knew about and frequented. So we were in this small town and there was like a mall and it was a old, super old, like run down little mall. And the minute we walked in, we both looked at each other and we were like, oh my God, doesn't this remind you of the mall in our town, like that old mall in our town where James Way was and the pizza place and this and da 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 like it just sparked and flooded us with all of these memories, again, that were pleasant for us. It was very nostalgic. And then we were like walking through it and I was like, oh my God, some of these stores, like I none of, none of them had names that you had ever heard of, mind you. It was like one of those malls. And and then it started to flood me with pleasant memories from college because I was like, oh, my God, this store, like this store that sells like very, very cheap. I I don't want to say trashy clothing, but that is how I would have defined it even when I was in college is where I would shop in college on a college budget when I needed like going out clothes, right? Like clothes to go to the bar or the club in town or whatever. You would go buy like the trashiest like little tank tops and they were sold at like these like one-off stores that just had an abundance of crap in them. And so we're walking through the mall. It's like flooding us, right? So you ever had those moments? Oh, and this store by this mall, by the way, had like a, a video store, and we were immediately like, "Oh my god, remember Blockbuster?" So anyway, so you know what the feeling of nostalgia is, right? And that's a pleasant feeling. That's a positive feeling. Now, when we think about trauma, it's the opposite. It is the exact opposite of that nostalgic feeling. It's like you walk into, let's just use the same example here, as if I were to walk into that mall and now, boom, I'm flooded. I'm flooded mentally, emotionally, physically with all of these horrid memories of, uh, and I'm making this up by the way, but we're just going to roll with it, of that time that when I was a kid, I got beaten in the corner of this mall or I got assaulted or I got mugged or raped or whatever, okay? That is what trauma is. Now, that's, you know, a broad example, but I need to get you tuned in to kind of the feeling and the sensation because I, I, I need you to resonate with that before we get into the nitty gritty. Now, the nitty gritty is a simple smell can flood you with those traumatizing memories, right? Body language, a word, a word, y'all, a word. So can you control, and this is where a trauma survivor feels so overstimulated and so overwhelmed at times, can you control the way everybody in the world that you are going to walk past on the street, in the store, bump into, work alongside, have a conversation with on the phone, whatever, can you control the words they choose to speak? No, not at all. And so, again, it could be a word, it could be a smell. Can you control all the smells that are going to suddenly flood you in the world? My God, I live 
right outside New York City. When I get on the turnpike, the New Jersey turnpike, and I drive in a certain direction, there's a town you go through. And if you're from the New York, New Jersey area, if you're in the tri-state area, you will know what I'm talking about. You go, you go down turnpike south and you go through a specific town and it just smells like eggs. It just, it's the worst smell as you pass through that. But, so, so that is what trauma is. Trauma survivors struggle with this day in and day out. And and that's why when we talk about triggers and we talk about triggering environments or relationships, we can't say it's that person doing it to you, right? That person is toxic or that environment is toxic. You can't say that quite yet. When you get activated in a relationship or in an environment, you got to understand what is activating you. Otherwise, yes, because you're immediately activated and you go into um, a a place to self-protect and defend, right? You go into survival mode or in other words, fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. You go into that place, which is natural. That's a natural physiological response in your body. You want that to happen. That's the other confusing part for trauma survivors, okay? But you want that to happen when you feel like you're in danger. The problem is, for a trauma survivor, you enter into an environment. Let's say the environment is completely healthy. Everybody there is healthy. But you smell something, and now you get flooded with all those horrific traumatizing feelings and memories and that's what happens is like it's not just all a thought in your head your body because of the stored trauma in your body your body now relives the emotional experience and that memory of that moment in your life okay and so you get all consumed and then you have that fight flight freeze or fawn response And uh, of course, without any understanding or awareness as to what exactly activated you, you're naturally going to feel unsafe in that relationship with that person or in that environment. Now, typically, when you enter into fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, you're not, at least at first, aware of really what's happening. You just have this instinctual kind of knee-jerk reaction, response in your body, in your mind, physically, mentally, emotionally, okay? Your entire body is now reliving that trauma. And, you know, either it shuts down, it wants to fight, it wants to flee, whatever it is. So you can't because, again, we've talked about this in past episodes, your executive functioning shuts down when your body enters uh, fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. That means that like logical thinking, problem solving, thinking through things clearly, all of that access that you have when you're not in survival mode, you don't have access to when your body is now ready to protect and defend itself, Okay. And therefore, in the moment that you enter fight, flight, freeze, or fun, you are not going to be able to make these connections, process this event, think clearly, respond clearly. This is why 
understanding and talking about this and being able to identify your triggers once you are regulated and no longer in that fight, flight, freeze, or fawn state is so essential. Because when you sit down in a regulated state and you think back on that last experience where you got triggered and you look at what led up to that moment, and I'm not talking about sticking to the specific context of the event either, right? So hypothetically, let's say that you had an argument with your partner. And so when you're reflecting on this experience afterwards, you're digging into the words that were spoken, the context that you were speaking about. I want you to look beyond that moment. I want you to go back to, let's say that happened in the afternoon. I want you to go back to the start of your day. Maybe even go back to the day before and reflect on, did I get a good night's sleep? How was my day yesterday? What transferred into my day today? Right? Like really do a full spectrum kind of self-examination here of, did I, prop, did I get proper rest? Did I hydrate? Again, always, always, always go to your basic needs first. Start there. Let that be your starting point when you do this self-reflection, okay? Did I get enough sleep? Did I get enough rest? Have I showered? Have I bathed? Did I brush my teeth? Seriously, I'm not lying. Go to those basics first. Did I eat? Maybe you went to bed hungry, right? So these are all important and they're contributing factors here because your body, you gotta understand this, will go into fight, flight, freeze, or fawn when your basic needs are not getting met either. And therefore, if you have trauma and your basic needs are not met, and then you bump into a little trauma trigger, it's an explosive moment for you internally. But there's a combination of things that are occurring. And again, on a very on a very like black and white kind of thinking level, a lot of us in these triggering moments can immediately go to blame and attack and be like, you said this, you impacted me this way, but 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 truly, that's not always, more times than not, that's not what happened. It could have been a look on their face, but the look on their face might not have impacted you had you had enough food, water, sleep, whatever in your system. All of these things, this is why, <laughs> this is why it's really important in trauma healing and recovery to have this holistic understanding. And by holistic, we mean everything is naturally working together. It is connected somehow, some way, okay? In your mind, in your body, in the environment, like when you get a physical symptom, it doesn't immediately mean you've got like a, a an internal disease. It look at the external stressors that might be contributing to the physical pain. I'll get into that in a second because trauma can cause chronic pain. Trauma can cause a stiff neck that you've had for years and you just blame it on, I sleep funny, which is what I did until I started doing somatic exercises and realized, fuck, man, yeah, I sleep funny, but also that doesn't make that knot in my neck. It's the stored trauma in my body. Okay, so let's dig right in to how can you sit down with yourself and identify these triggers, right? As I was just saying, 
you're going to want to reflect once you're regulated. Now keep in mind for some people, it can take 24 to 48 hours and then some to feel regulated again, to feel like you've come down, you've down-regulated and you're in more of a balanced place and you can think a little bit clearer and function the way you would function when you're not activated, okay? But once you're in that place, as I said, reflect on what led up to that moment. Sit with yourself, whether you talk out loud, some people like to do voice recordings to themselves, whether you sit, for me personally, what works is sitting and talking out loud to myself half the time and writing out specific things that I notice in what I'm talking through in my journal. And so my goal in doing this is to pinpoint the word, the smell, the, the, the body language. What was it that led me to react to feel like I needed to protect or run or freeze or whatever, right? What was it? Was it a specific word? Was it the way they were standing? Was it their facial expression? For me personally, a lot of the times, it is body language. It's a, a, a lack of an expression on somebody's face can activate my nervous system to fear doom to feel, to fear abandonment, to suddenly feel like, uh-oh, uh-oh, something's going to come from this, right? Something's about to happen. Another trigger for me is silence. I don't do well. <laughs> I do great when, when it's just me in silence. When it's me in a room with another person that's close to me and we're talking and then suddenly there is an extended period of silence, silence activates my nervous system because for me, this will help you if I explain this, for me, silence has me reliving all of the moments, and there are many of them for me, all of the moments in my life where when a conversation was happening and then sudden silence occurred, that meant something bad. Every single time with various different relationships, be that my parents, uh, romantic relationships, a friend, whatever, sudden silence or a gap or an extended period of, um, of silence in a conversation, be that on the phone, in person, via text message, it activates me. And then there's a ton of others. And so, so what you want to do is track them. So the goal is to pinpoint what was it that you noticed that was the thing that, that turned your nervous system on. That's how I'll put it, right? From there, then go to what did it make me think? What did it make me feel? What did it make me want to do? What did it make me want to shout at the person? What did it, what, what was I fearing? Was I fearing attack, punishment, abandonment? What you want to do is get a good picture of what that trigger does and what is the trajectory of what occurs mentally, emotionally, physically for you once it activates you. What path does it take you down? And if you have that pinpointed, then what can happen from that point forward 
is you can either, depending on what it is, reduce your exposure to that trigger, which is unrealistic for a lot of stuff, or you recognize, okay, I know once I'm now I'm regulated, I know that when I see this type of facial expression, it's going to take me down this path. So I can be proactive beforehand. So the minute I see that facial expression, before I get dysregulated, like I'm going to prepare in advance, before I get dysregulated, I'm going to set a plan for myself on what I'm going to do. Now, mind you, this is going to take practice because it, it, it comes alongside a lot of other work on your body and your mind in terms of trauma healing and recovery. So this isn't just the only step that you need to do. I can't walk around going, I hate silence, so I'm going to force people to never have silence with me. <laughs> that's not how this works realistically. It's like that. that's helpful information for me to feel more in control of myself and less like I'm walking through a minefield day in and day out. It allows me to self-advocate, allows me to self-govern, but it also requires me to sit down and talk through the trauma, right? Process it fully. Like, what is it about silence? What is it? And how can I reframe that experience and retell it from a different perspective so I don't keep identifying with that old story? And I have to release it from my body. Now, you might think you only need one and not the other. That's not true. You need both, okay? So just for those listening... I have programs now available for you to release trauma, stored trauma in your body, okay? I have to link them to my website. They are currently linked in my link tree, which is on all my social media accounts. So if you go to the bio on my Instagram page or the bio on my Twitter page or the bio on my TikTok page, you'll see the link tree. And under there, under courses, you'll see release stored trauma from your body. What I recommend is the option that gives you the three-course bundle because that's a full body release. It's giving you specific different body parts to release from. Or you can start with the hips because a lot of trauma is stored in the hips and there's a specific one that is just a hip release. Whichever is your cup of tea, whichever you feel drawn to, I find this personally, the programs that are linked there, have helped me tremendously and gotten rid of a significant amount of pain that I genuinely thought was just like structural stuff and like muscular stuff and whatever, which the minute I started doing these exercises, I, the, that chronic type of pain that I had was just, it's gone. It didn't matter how many massages I got for some of this pain. Like I had psoas pain that would shoot through my, my right hip around like my glute into my groin area all the time all the time I would have relief for like a day after a massage and you know I go for a massage weekly and it would shoot pain and I was just like if I sat for longer than five minutes pain if I laid down pain it didn't matter what I did or who worked on it or how much they worked on the muscle that pain was there because it wasn't muscular it was in the body. It was stored trauma in the body. The minute I started doing these exercises, I haven't had that pain at all since that point. It's like mysteriously gone. Poof. And that's what happens. You get these physical releases, 
of the trauma in your body. And then suddenly, pain, like pain I've had in my neck, God, for decades. I, again, I thought I was just sleeping funny. And I do sleep funny and I do grind my teeth and clench my jaw and all of that. And I and any any doctor, chiropractor, um, my massage therapist was always like, yeah, you got a big knot here in your neck. And but like they'd work on it and I would get some relief and it would come back. It just came back and back and back and back. And now gone. So. Head over there. Again, I'm going to link them directly on my website today. So you'll be able, probably by the time you listen to this, they'll probably be up there because I'm going to do that immediately. But if you can't find them yet on the website and and you're listening to this um, pretty early on after I post it, head over to one of my social media accounts, click on the link tree, and you'll find them there real quick. Use the code AmyTheLifeCoach. No spaces. AmyTheLifeCoach. That'll get you a nice little discount. Okay? So back to once I sit down and I can track those triggers, right? I can pinpoint it was a smell. Now, reminding you, these come through your five senses, okay? So an action and something in the environment. So it could be that the walls are white and you walked into somebody else's house and the walls are white. They're going to sound silly to other people, but these triggers are unique to you and your experiences. Keep that in mind. They may not make sense to any other person in your life, and that is okay. They might sound ridiculously crazy to other people, but they're not to you. It could be something like the smell of incense, a perfume. It could be the smell of tobacco. It could be that pair of jeans that that guy is wearing takes you back and has you reliving a moment from your childhood where your dad owned a similar pair of Levi's, right? It could be any of these things. And it's important that you recognize that it, no, no thing is too small or too large for it to be a trigger for you. How you determine what to do with that trigger is based off of understanding what the trigger does to you. Right? So being able to pinpoint the trigger, being able to reflect on here's where it takes me mentally, here's where it takes me emotionally and physically, right? So let's say for me, when I am exposed, let's go back to the one I mentioned earlier to that like sudden silence in a conversation or, you know, if my partner is traveling for work and there's a gap in our communication, like, and there's not a significant, like a specific, sorry, a specific amount of time. And I've paid attention to that too. Like, oh, if four hours goes by, I'm activated. If we don't talk, no, it's not like that. It's just this indefinite, again, it feels like a minefield, right? So it's just like, oh no, (laughs) there's a gap in the communication. And suddenly I now go to a place where I fear uh, abandonment. I fear rejection. I uh, it, it's real for me. It's not just like this this uh, mental fear happening. My body starts to panic. My body starts to go into uh, fight or flight. I can immediately start to create kind of these paranoid stories in my head which 
align with past events that I that have occurred in my life, it doesn't do anything good to me or productive. Let's put it that way. It takes me to a very bad place very quickly. And so, yes, I obviously can articulate to my partner, let's check in more frequently so there's not big gaps in time, but that you can't always control that. And if he's at work, if he's doing something, whatever, you can't always control that, right? So yes, he can check in, but I have to manage my trigger and I have to find a productive and healthy way that is going to support me and not take it out on him and not hold him accountable for me getting activated. So he can support by meeting me in the middle, right? But the rest is on me. And so what I do, and and sometimes it's a trial and error process, keep that in mind. What I do is I've learned like if he's traveling for work, I prepare in advance of making that week or whatever it is, how many days he's gone, really busy for myself. I don't leave any gaps of time on my end for too much space for me to just be sitting and thinking and letting my mind be idle because it's not it, it it leaves me vulnerable to that trigger getting activated right so proactively for me i adjust my routine and schedule and fill it up with appointments fill it up with seeing friends fill it up with busyness on purpose because that helps mitigate myself from getting activated and even if i end up not being able to fill all the space and there's gaps of time where I am sitting, I know already that a gap of time is going to activate me. And so when I start to feel it come on, I'm immediately aware and I go, okay, I'm triggered. So what, what is the next step, right? Is it to immediately distract? Sometimes, yes. Other times, it's immediately to reach out to a support system that I have, be that a friend of mine or B or whomever it is. Sometimes I think of somebody that I haven't checked in on because for me, often it helps me to help someone else when I'm in that moment or check in on someone else in my personal life. So I might call my mom or I might call somebody up to have that conversation, to fill that space. Sometimes I'm not in a mental or emotional space to be able to do that. I'm already too far gone. And so I'm not going to be able to be present. But I try to catch it the minute I feel it. or I try to mitigate it from even happening, right? So that's a way that I manage that particular trigger. But that's not the way I manage all of my triggers, right? And so again, that's where it's a trial and error. You have to feel into... What can I productively do for myself that's going to best support me, allow me to take full responsibility? Is there an opportunity, given the status of this relationship and the context of this situation, where I can communicate something that would help meet me in the middle and support me? But again, they are not responsible. You can't hold them responsible. They're not responsible for managing that trigger for you, changing who they are, how they function, how they think, how they operate to take care of what is going on inside of you. They can adjust and compromise to support, but you are responsible for yourself. And so so there is a real life way that I kind of navigate that. If you're needing more, then obviously I have a a resource for you that will A, provide you a worksheet with directions on how to sit down and identify 
your trauma triggers. It's in my boundary setting for trauma survivors course. And the remainder of the course, once you identify those triggers, will walk you through coping tools like options to try, uh, somatic exercises. There's a bonus video in there that introduces that to you. But if you want a full course with somatic exercises, then again, those other, those other courses that I referenced earlier in the podcast are where you want to go. That is, uh, those are created by a trained, licensed somatic practitioner. And that is where I'm going to refer you to. The course will introduce them to you, though, and give you different options on ways to cope and regulate and be able to communicate any boundaries towards somebody so they can take action to meet you in the middle and support you, okay? So that is today's episode all about identifying your trauma triggers. I hope that that provided you a little more insight and clarity into that process. Apologize if you just heard that bang in the background. Construction is alive and active now because the sun has come out. <laughs> so it's a good time to close out this episode because the banging's getting louder. Uh, Please take a moment to head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave me a five-star review if you are enjoying these episodes. Moving forward, I hope to provide you more interesting content, bringing in guests and conducting some interviews. So if there is a guest that you are hoping that I interview, hey, go over to Apple Podcasts and write it down in the review section. Let me know. I would love to hear me talk to this person or bring this person on the podcast. I would love to hear a conversation between them two. Head over and leave it there for me. And thank you for listening. Enjoy this and take notes as always. This is very insightful and valuable information. And I'll chat with you soon. 